Well, we're here on Victory 91.5. So glad that you have joined us this morning as we are continuing through this opportunity with Ray Haynes here in the studio, our general manager. I'm Quincy. This is Q in the Morning on your Friday. And as we're continuing to talk about all of this that the, the Lord put into Scripture, all that's in the language, that's in the symbols, that's in everything that points to Jesus, but there's a concerted effort among uh, rabbis that they don't want to point to Jesus. So there's a lot sure. that we don't know without doing some of this digging. Yeah, you know, it's for us, you know, you, you do have to realize that as a Christian, hopefully, you read the Bible more than most of the rabbis do. Most of the, the average Jewish person, you probably read it immensely more. Even Now, I know some Christians seem to be very away from the Old Testament, and you really shouldn't do that. It's all that the disciples and the apostles had when they were reading right. it, obviously. They quoted a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> where they got it from. So it's really, really important. But we, because of our teachings and church and all, we we can recognize a lot of things that point to Jesus, and that's why I come on for all of these feasts and festivals. Hopefully, if you listen, you, you have a good understanding of how the symbolism and everything points to Jesus, but the average Jewish person does not. And the average, like, as I said, even the average rabbi and teacher of the law doesn't because their focus is more on the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They do read the Tanakh, obviously, but they don't focus on it. And in a typical Jewish service on Shabbat, they're going to read through the Torah in one whole year. In fact, when Jewish people come to know Yeshua Jesus as their Messiah, they recognize him because of Messianic prophecies. It's what does the trick. I think it's like four, um, four let's see, half of 40% of Jewish people, when they come to Jesus, it's because of a Messianic prophecy. Every week in Shabbat or Sabbath services, synagogue services around the world, portions of the Torah, that's the first five books of Moses, and the Haftarah, the prophetic books, so all the, you know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all those, are read out loud. So all of the Torah, all through the year, and then small portion of Haftarah. They read that entire Torah every single year, but only selected portions of the prophets. Mm. Now, many of the prophecies that speak about the Messiah are not read at all because they strongly support the conclusion that Jesus, Yeshua, is the Messiah, and because they're mentioned in the New Testament. So if our Bibles in the, our New Testament mentions Isaiah chapter 30 or 60 or whatever, that gives them a reason not to put it in their prophetic readings because we're pointing it to Jesus, and right. so they don't want to point it to Jesus. Mm. So as a result, that means that those who attend synagogue services, while we're really comfortable and familiar with the verse, they're not. Each Haftarah reading usually relates in some way to the Torah portion of the Parsha for that Shabbat. The early mention of this practice is found in Luke chapter 4. Remember when Jesus, Yeshua, goes into a Nazareth synagogue, he starts to read. He says this, the spirit of Jehovah is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of Jehovah's favor. You remember somebody had read from this, and they said, and they called on Jesus, and he said, I'll read. they took the scroll, and he read from Isaiah. So that shows you in that period, somewhere in the 30s uh, A.D., this practice was going on of the Torah as well as the Parsha, so, uh, of the Haftarah. So 
when prophetic passages are never scheduled in the Haftar readings, that should be concerning. Why in the world are they staying away from them? So which portions, what prophecies are not put into mm -hmm. that a typical Jewish person or even the rabbis would be comfortable reading all the time? Well, the one I just read, <laughs> Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of Jehovah is upon me from Isaiah 60, which he introduced himself to. They're not going to ever read that one. The promise of an Elijah before the arrival, the arrival of Messiah in Malachi 3, I'll send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly, Yehovah, your seeking will come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. It says, Yehovah Almighty. Yeah, they don't like that one because obviously reasons there. The fact that the Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem, passage from Micah 5. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Really don't like that one. You'll never read, see, hear that one in a, in a synagogue. The virgin birth passage from Isaiah 7. Yehovah himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. We'll call him Emmanuel, God with us. You'll never hear that in a synagogue. The Messiah riding into Jerusalem on a donkey passage from Zechariah 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Never going to be in a synagogue service. His betrayal for 30 pieces of silver from Zechariah 11. Jehovah said to me, throw it to the potter the handsome price at which they valued me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver, threw them to the potter at the house of Jehovah. Not going to be in a synagogue service. The suffering servant on the cross passage in Isaiah 52. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. Not in a synagogue service. And lastly, the promise to make a new covenant passage from Jeremiah 31. You can imagine they wouldn't like this one. <laughs> the days are coming, declares Jehovah, when I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. I'll put my law in their minds, write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Now you would say to yourself, my goodness, those are core principles, realities. Mm -hmm but they would rather keep those away from people than introduce them and let them think through that. So, you know, as we're taking this month of Elul and looking at repentance, looking at walking as Moses did, part of that is also just coming to grips with maybe some things that we want to keep in dark places in our life, things yeah. that we don't want people to see. So those are important. Yeah. Okay, we're going to introduce now and, and dig into a little deeper the gospel in the stars. Now, I've talked about this for the last few years, and I usually don't have time to dig into it, so I'm actually doing it as part of Elul because, well, the question is, has God revealed his plans in his creation in the stars? This may seem silly to you. You look up at night and you see the stars. <laughs> it's like, what, what? Well, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? The skies proclaim the work of his hands. They do what? They proclaim. Heavens declare. Skies proclaim. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Mm -hmm. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. You can read right over that and not even think about it. But that's a pretty uh, vivid uh, verse right there, right? They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. What? Yeah, the stars are revealing knowledge to us about Jesus. And that's uh, mind-blowing when you first read it. On day of four of creation, God made the 
galaxies filled with stars and planets and moons. Isaiah 40 says this. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So we hear God here named each star, and their Hebrew names are still used today in many cases. He made each one with a purpose, and their names tell us their purposes. Long before Moses wrote down the gospel story in the Torah, God wrote the story in the stars. And we can literally look up and... Essentially, even though they're hiding all those prophecies in the Haftarah, you can look in the skies and read them because they're written in the constellations and the direct... It's just mind-blowing. So Revelation 13.8 identifies Jesus as the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world, which means it had to happen in the first six days. So where is that? Well, it turns out not only is there all kind of different things at that time, but that story is written in the stars. Mm. Some of the constellations you may see at night uh, tell the gospel story. Now, I'm just going to give you this real quick picture in this next two breaks, and I'll jump into it later, but this is because we're in Elul, the first five days of creation. The month of Elul is when he made the stars, and he painted the gospel story there. Before Adam and Eve were made, before they sinned, the whole gospel, everything that God was going to do was already laid out, and the story was told. So I'll introduce you a bit to that story. And again, this will all be on the blog as well as a podcast, so pictures help in this one, obviously.